her touching the line of her mouth. They just get so tired of being chained to sinks and pipes and tops, you know. Sometimes they just want to come out and sing for a minute, wouldn't you? And when one gets loose and sets half of the city on fire? It was an undine. They don't burn anything, she retorted. He took in her flashing blue eyes, flushed cheeks, and wet forearms, her hands still scrubbing away. Her long, jet-black ringlets were all pulled stylishly up away from her pretty doll's face, but her blue dress was twice as threadbare as his own clothes, and almost as desperately out of fashion. He walked over to lay a hand on her shoulder and felt her melt beneath his touch. He reached up to touch her hair. Remember what father used to say. Her shrug was only half-hearted, but he knew she did. And after a moment, she answered him. No matter how smart you are, the rules still apply to you. Just be careful. I'm always careful. If you're doing it in the first place, you're not being careful enough. There was no point saying it out loud. What could he do? He was her brother, not her father. It wouldn't solve anything to make himself the enemy. She pulled away from him eventually, setting yet another dish into the bin where the chained sylph hit it with another blast of air. She shot him a look over her shoulder. You look nice, she said, sizing him up with a quick glance and a shy smile. He didn't. It had been five years since he'd had something new tailored. Considering he had been 14 at the time, it might as well have been twice that long. It would take a, perhaps, impolitely intent eye to notice his coat was a little threadbare around the elbows, or that the weathered seams of his trousers had been mended by an inexperienced hand in a mismatched thread. But the flaws were there. Even so, the part of him that used to have four wardrobes full of the latest fashions couldn't help but bask in the empty compliment. He grinned, bashful. Well, he murmured, I did my best with what I had. Oh, he's going to be so impressed with you, Chris. You're going to do so well. I'm sure he'll request your services permanently. She was lying for his sake again. How could she possibly know what the mysterious O'Faraday death sniffer wanted from an employee? But his jangled nerves eased. Rather silly, how the uninformed comments of a thirteen-year-old could make him feel better about anything, much less something so serious as an interview for employment after a long string of rejections. We'll see. He patted her on the shoulders. I thought perhaps... He heard a door close from a few rooms over, and the bell in the hall began to chime. Oh, that must be her, Chris said. He leaned down to press a kiss into Rosemary's hair. His sister twisted her head around to catch his eyes with her own before he could go to greet their guest. Don't you think I'm too old for a nanny? she asked plaintively. He half-smiled and touched her nose. You're thirteen, and I just caught you singing down an undine in the sink. Even she had to smile, though she turned back to the sink to try to hide it from him. Well, 
she said, voice dripping with feigned indignation. Good luck, I suppose. I'll be home before you know it. He left her at the tub. The tutor in question was a tall, slender woman with a prim brown bun pulled up behind her head. He noticed she was dressed respectively, if unspectacularly, in a simple gray gown. It had not been tailored to her dimensions, and it was twenty years out of fashion. She was poor or oblivious to her image then. She was also considerably younger than he had expected. This was hardly an experienced matron, well-versed in the many pitfalls of child-rearing. Chris fought down a wince. The agency he'd contacted to employ her services was a meager one. Fernand had insisted Chris couldn't afford to give Rosemary the best available, and after being shown a report of the...